for the invitation to come and be with you again in the beginning of this, my 15th gospel meeting with you. I'm grateful for the presence of each one who is here today. Many of you have been special friends to me down through the years, and I am thankful for each word of encouragement that you have given. I'm always thankful that my wife can be with me in the meetings. My mother, who was third, who was 90 on Thursday, is here this morning along with my sister and brother-in-law, and I'm thankful to have each one of you present this morning. I hope that you will have the motivation to come and be a part of the gospel meeting throughout the week. You know, if we have the proper motivation, we can do almost anything that we want to do. This fellow was riding his horse and was run over by a car. There was a trial. The man who was riding the horse and had been injured was on the stand, and the opposing lawyer was trying to trip him up. And he said, did you not say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? He said, well, listen, let no. He said, answer the question. Did you not say at the scene of the accident, I'm fine? And he said, well, sir, I need to explain to you. Oh, he said, judge, would you have him answer the question? The judge said, I'd sort of like to hear what he has to say. Well, he said, judge, I was riding my horse down the road, and a car came up behind and ran over us and knocked my horse over in that ditch and me over in this ditch. And he said, when I came to, the local sheriff was standing over my horse, and the horse grunted, and he shot him. And he turned to me and said, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. If you've got the right motivation, you can be fine under all circumstances. Hope to be able to communicate God's word to you this week on the subject of love. You know, communication is something that you look for ways to get the point across, and I'm always looking for ways to do that. You can get the point across sometimes in an unusual way. There was this school for girls, all teenage girls, and the headmistress was having a problem. The girls would go into the bathroom, put on their lipstick, and blot it against the mirror. And she called the girls in and told them, said, that's causing extra work for the janitor. You shouldn't do that. Next day, the same thing. She told them again, don't do that. Don't blot your lipstick against the mirror. But the next day, the same thing. So she decided to get the point across. She called all the girls into the restroom and called the janitor in. She said, I want you girls to see what the janitor has to do to clean that mirror. He came in with his mop, dipped it in the commode, cleaned the mirror. They never had any more lipstick on the mirror. There are ways to get points across. During this week, let me give you an idea of what we have in mind. And at the next service, and the next four services, I'll have two shorter lessons instead of one. Each lesson will be about 20 minutes long. This afternoon at 2, we'll discuss reasons to love and levels of love. And I think you'll find that lesson on levels of love to be an unusual lesson. Tomorrow night, when love it becomes sin and the chain of love. On Tuesday night, tough love, and if that isn't love. 
And on Wednesday night, brotherly love and don't stop loving me. I think we can cover a lot on the subject of love in these ten lessons that I've called Ten Cups of Love. This morning at this time, I want to suggest to you that perhaps it would be good if all of us lived in the state of Missouri. Many of you are aware that the state of Missouri is known as the show me state. And I'm not talking about living in that state physically speaking as much as I am letting it become a state of mind for each of us as Christians. When it comes to the subject of love, we need to emphasize the idea of show me. You are aware, I'm sure, that this idea of show me is used in the second chapter of James in talking about the subject of faith. He said, you talk about faith and works. He said, show me thy faith by thy works. Show me. In other words, let me see some action and not just an attitude. In 1 John 3 and verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but he says, in deed and in truth, not just in word, but in deed. Don't just tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. A young man sent his girlfriend a card and he said, I want you to know that my love for you is deeper than the ocean, higher than the sky, and wider than the world. And I'll be to see you Saturday night if it doesn't rain. There is more to love than just saying, I love you. And I wonder sometimes, as God looks down on us, if he doesn't, in his thinking, have these two words, show me. When he sees us get up on Sunday morning and do other things instead of coming to Bible study and worship, when we say, God, I love you, I wonder if he is thinking, show me. When we live day by day in the community, and we, in that day, pray to God, and probably in that prayer, say, God, I love you. And then participate in those things that are of a worldly nature. I wonder if God is not saying, show me. Perhaps. He might even be thinking that this week, as time comes for us to assemble in our gospel meeting. Do we love God? Perhaps he is saying, show me. Do we love each other? It would be appropriate to say, show me. Let me give to you some eight ideas from the Bible that will help us to see what is involved in really showing our love. What does it mean to not only say, I love God, but to show my love to God? To not only say, I love you as a part of my family or the church, but to show you that my love is real. First, to show your love means that you will love the truth and love what is right. 
In 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11, Paul said, With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. The next statement is rather interesting. For this cause, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It's one of the hardest statements in the Bible for me to accept. That God will send someone delusion. That's what it says. And when you back up and look at the verse before it, you can begin to understand why. He said, if you are deceived by unrighteousness because you don't love the truth, God will send you strong delusion. It is so important to love the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, John 8, 32. You know, we live at a time when there are so many things going on that it seems from some of the polls that are taken that the American people have come to say, well, everybody lies. And I think we would agree that there are so many people today who do not respect the truth. More people are in, perhaps... uh, Wanting to be politically correct instead of godly correct. Wanting to be where they are doing what is the, seemed to be the appropriate thing by the opinion of man instead of what is the right thing by the teaching of God. Do we really love the truth? Are we willing to stand for the truth no matter what happens? Are we willing to stand up for Christ? And for the truth, even in the face of ridicule, when the truth is at stake, and we say we love God, perhaps God is saying, show me. I believe this show me love involves complete trust in God. And I don't know that any one of us has arrived at 100% on that. We need to learn to trust in God, to realize that he is still in his heaven, and although all's not right with the world, that he's still in charge of things in the world, and that all things can work together for good to them that love the Lord, Romans 8, 28. Perhaps we become impatient sometimes and believe that God is not working out things as he should, but God has promised that he will. And there is that statement in 1 John 4.18 that perfect love casteth out fear. In other words, if you'll put your complete trust in God, you don't have to be afraid. I admit to you there are some things that are going on today in the world that really concern me. When you take into consideration that most of those who go in to rob a store now have no qualms about just killing the person even though they've already given them the money, and that there's a drive-by shooting reported almost every day in most of the cities that are of any size, we come to realize that perhaps there are some things that we are to fear. And some reason or other, every time I come to the Cookville area, there's always a storm. There will be a tornado somewhere this week, no question about it. When the Oklahoma bombing took place, it was being talked about in the last few days for its anniversary. I was in a meeting at Willow Avenue. When the tornadoes came through Nashville a few years ago and and tore up so much, I was in a meeting in the Cookville area. And uh, 
I'm expecting I'll be in a meeting in the Cookville area when the judgment day comes. There are a lot of things to fear, but he says if we really trust in God, we don't have to be afraid. Jesus said, fear not him that is able to destroy the body or kill the body, but can't destroy the soul. Rather, fear him that's able to destroy both body and soul in hell, Matthew 10, 28. And when it comes to trusting in God and facing even the difficulties in life, with a complete trust in him, perhaps God is saying, if you love me, show me. Put yourself in the hollow of the hand of God and trust in him. He also says in this general area, just two verses later, after saying it cast out fear, that we show our love to God by showing our love to one another. Verses 19 and 20 of 1 John 4, Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. And then in the next chapter, if we love him, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath not seen, how can he love God whom he has seen? How can he love God whom he's not seen? You're familiar with the judgment seen in Matthew 25. Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me, Jesus said, or if you didn't do it, you didn't do it to me. How do we show our love to God by loving one another? You see, I can't walk up to God personally, look him face to face today in a physical sense and do something for him, but I can do something for you, a child of his, and that does something for him. We show our love to God by loving one another. And folks, can we claim to love God if we don't have love in our families and in the church for one another? Can we bite at each other, hurt one another, talk about each other negatively in the family of God and still claim to love God? Oh God, I love you. Perhaps he's looking down in our relationship to each other and saying, show me. And along this line of loving others, this show-me love involves teaching others. You remember the time that Jesus uh, appeared to Peter or with Peter uh, toward the end of the accounts of the gospel? And he said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, yes, I love you, Lord. He said, well, feed my lambs. Second time, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Third time. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter became almost angry that time. He said, Lord, I've told you, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. If you love me, then be feeding my sheep. When you and I walk around every week meeting people who are not Christians and never open our mouths to say anything to them or even invite them to the services, can we claim that we love God? When there's an opportunity for us to be involved in helping the gospel to be taken to all the corners of the world so that people can be taught the word of God and we won't do anything, can we claim to love God? When there's an opportunity to have our little children, our younger ones, our older ones in Bible classes like we had this morning here and we are not willing to do our best to help teach when we have the talents to teach, can we claim to love God? 
He said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, Timothy, the things that you've learned of me or heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's teaching God's word generation to generation. And folks, if we love people, we're going to teach them the word of God. If you love your children, you're going to teach them the word of God. I am quoting scriptures today that I learned when I was a very small child. Because my parents and others taught me the word of God. If we love God, we'll be interested in teaching him. And sort of summing up these two ideas, if we love God, we're going to be interested in serving others. That's that scene again of Matthew chapter 25. And again, in 1 John 3 and 17, Whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? In other words, you and I have opportunities to reach out to help feed people and to give people something to drink and visit people and do these things to help. And we don't do a thing to reach out to others. We're more interested like the rich farmer of bringing it in and building our own barns and, and continuing to have it for ourselves. He said, how can you claim that the love of God is in your heart? And I know what happens in our thinking. We almost immediately think, well, now I'll tell you, if I had a million dollars, I'd be out there helping people. It's not so much what we do if a million became our lot as what we're doing now with the dollar and a quarter we got. You see, God doesn't ask us to use what we don't have to help others. He, help, he asks us to use what we do have to help others. And most of us consider ourselves not to be rich, but compared to the majority of people in the world, we are rich, even financially. And when we come to realize that we're only stewards of what belongs to God, that really nothing belongs to us, I think we will become more interested in spending our lives to serve others instead of being served. The greatest benefits and blessings that you get out of life is being able to do something for somebody else. When you get to feeling blue and depressed, do something for somebody else quickly. Notice I didn't say get somebody to do something for you. You do something for somebody else. That's what love is about. Love God? Show me. Get out there and help somebody. There are a lot of things you and I can do for people that don't cost much. And sometimes, in fact most of the times, when we eat a good meal at home, we have enough left to feed two or three other people. Stop and think about somebody that might not have enough to eat that night. Just fix them a plate and take it to them. You don't have to take a full-fledged meal. You don't have to take several dishes. Keep that to when you're bringing it to me. Take just a plate, just a little bit. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 10, just a cup of cold water given in the name of a disciple receives a reward. People many times are not looking for big things. They're looking for little favors. And we show our love by serving others. I believe we show our love to God by wholesome living. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Second, or 1 John 2.15 If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17. Mind not the things of this earth, but seek those things that are above. Colossians 3, 1 through 5. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live. Five times in that verse, live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Going out there tomorrow at work and trying to tell the truth and teach people or treat people in a decent way, be fair to people as much as you can. When there's a temptation to be involved in something that's downright wrong or even questionable, you've got the fortitude to back up and stand against it or turn yourself and go in another way and even flee that which is evil. That's a part of showing your love for God. Living right, doing right. And then another way that we show our love to God is by giving financially. And you'll notice in all I'm going to say on to this, I'm not going to mention a percentage or an amount because God left that up to each one of us. And I think the reason he left it up to each one of us is to see how much we would show our love. But I can tell you this. Twice in 2 Corinthians 8 at verse 8 and 24, as he's talking about their putting their means together to help spread the gospel, he said, this is the proof of your love. This morning, when you drop something into the basket or the plate, you in a sense are saying, God, this is how much I love you compared to what your ability to give is. We show our love by our giving. We don't want to get hung up on money, but money is a part of it. And it's interesting in that same chapter where verse 8 and 24 says you prove your love by your giving, verse 12 says that it's accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. And verse 5 says they first gave themselves to the Lord. There's the key to it in showing our love to God. I have mentioned that we show our love by loving the truth, complete trust, loving our brethren, teaching others, serving others, wholesome living and giving. Let me add that eighth one. That's sort of a summary. We show our love to God by keeping his commandments. Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 23, if a man love me, he will keep my commandments. Ecclesiastes 12.13, the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. When a child says, Mom and Dad, I love you, and turns right around and does the opposite of what they've told him to do, does he love them? When a husband or wife says to the spouse, I love you, and then does not respect the vows and promises that are there, do they really love them? And when we say, God, I love you, and won't keep his commandments, do we love him? When people are willing to water down the plan of salvation and fail to teach the complete plan of faith, repentance, confession, and baptism to be a Christian, can they truthfully say they love God? And as Christians, if we're unwilling to put forth our best effort, and that's all God expects, that which is reasonable, Romans 12, 1, put forth our best effort to worship and serve him, do we have the right to say we love him? If you love me, 
keep my commandments. I suspect that even today there will be times that God in his thinking will look at us and say, show me. You say you love me, show me. You're giving of your money, show me. You're giving of your time, show me. You have an opportunity to attend a worship service, show me. And I think even right now, to those of you who have not yet become Christians and been baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, God's saying, show me you love me. And to those who are Christians who need to straighten out something in their lives by penitence, confession, and prayer, I think even this morning God is saying, show me. And as the invitation is extended from Christ, and we sing a song to encourage you, God is really saying, show me, as together we stand and sing.